The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on May 19th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Today on the show, let's take a closer look at the Nolan Gorman and Josh Lowe breakouts so far this season. Starter sit questions, our Week 9 preview, and it was a smaller slate of games, so I do have some of your emails for later on in the podcast. Whoa! Emails on a podcast. I know. Whoever heard of such a thing. <laughs> uh, I am a slacker in that regard. Full transparency, obviously. Anyone who no, listens just, knows. We just spend way too much time talking about the stuff that happened. It's it's not your fault. I don't know how Adam used to do it. I mean, I don't know either. God bless I think, him. I think we just have so much more information now that it's. I think that's it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, every night going through, it's not just box scores anymore, right? It's you're looking at stat cast data and pitch mix and velocity. And it's, you know, it takes a long time. And frankly, that's why we start as late as we do. But we'll save that for another day. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's jump in. Take a little whiff of that, big boy. Yeah, take a whiff of that. Big boy, that is legendary Cardinals broadcaster Mike Shannon, who actually passed away this year and definitely wanted to work his call into the mix. So I know a few people sent uh, that call in, and I'm happy to play it because obviously very well deserving. Scott, you are up. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. I want to talk about Nolan Gorman here, who had a two-homer game. And, uh, I mean, you know, he's been hitting home runs all season. He's up to 12 now. That makes him one of the most prolific home run hitters in the game this year. Uh, But what might be more notable is he was in the lineup against a lefty, and an ostensibly good lefty, Julio Arias. 
And not only was Nolan Gorman in the lineup against this lefty, he homered off this lefty, uh, one of his two home runs. And it was actually his first hit of the year off a lefty. So, you know, not many bats because he hasn't been playing against lefties much. But hopefully this this earns him more opportunities against lefties because you look at his numbers and they're fantastic. And, like, this is kind of... This is a regret I have, Nolan Gorman, because I liked him as kind of a post-type sleeper very early in my draft prep. We're talking about, like, when I was first formulating my rankings in October, November, I thought, Nolan Gorman, okay, huge disappointment as a rookie. I get it, but, you know, it's a young guy with a lot of power potential. This, this, could, uh, this could be a nice bargain at second base. And there just seemed to be so little hype surrounding him. Like the Cardinals weren't talking him up at all. They had all this surplus of outfielders, especially with Jordan Walker in the mix. Like, how are they going to get him in the lineup? I did not envision a scenario where he'd just be the full time DH. And, you know, more recently, he's been playing a lot of second base again. Uh, he was starting. He even started at third base in this game. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, Nolan Arenado is not going to sit much. I guess Arenado got a day at DH. Yep. But he's picked up third base eligibility this year, which only adds to the value. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been a great pick as a post-type sleeper because what, what's helped the power come through is he went from striking out thirty a third of the time as a rookie to now like a quarter of the time. quarter of the time is fine if you have as much power as he does. There is still the issue of how he's going to fare against left-handers, how much he's going to play against them. But as I said, the... the it, Things are trending the right direction as far as that goes. And um, I think given that second base, while it's pretty deep and interesting players, it it's pretty light on like high-end must-start types. And Gorman might be emerging as one of the few there. So far, he, that's exactly what Nolan Gorman has been, Scott. Batting 295 with those 12 home runs, as you mentioned. An OPS just over 1,000 at this point in the season. He entered Thursday as the uh, fifth-ranked second baseman in Roto, averaging 3.3 fantasy points per game. That's tied for seventh at second base in terms of fantasy points per game. And I think we're probably a little bit unfair to Gorman, Scott. You and I both have him ranked 16th in our second base rankings, and... I mean, typically we don't talk about this. We, we don't, you know, we don't kind of confer on, you know, where you're ranking your players. All right, let's kind of have them in the same spot. Like we each individually do our rankings and this is what we come up with. And look, if let's just say Miguel Vargas was doing what Nolan Gorman is doing right now, we would probably have him ranked as like a top 10 second baseman, right? So I think we do have those concerns about playing against lefties, but you know, looking looking at the the second base landscape, you can make an argument that Gorman could be ranked as high as eighth. You know, ahead of Gleyber Torres and Tommy Edmond and yeah. and you know Nico Horner and and Andres Jimenez and all those names. I guess the question and is, I guess, why don't we? Right? Why don't we have him ranked higher? Well, because I've had playing time concerns largely. Yeah. But I I think what I'm saying is tonight's the night or today's the day where I say. Okay, it's time for me to stop worrying about that and just, you know, I'm eyeballing it right now. Probably could move him all the way up to 10th. Second base has been one of the most difficult positions to adjust as I, uh, as I update it over the course of the season because there is such a large group of players who have kind of 
excelled for stretches and then fallen off. And, you know, they have complicated histories that you don't want to dismiss the upside, like a Brandon Lau, I'm thinking, or a Jorge Polanco. But, you know, at this point, I, I would say I'm ready to take Gorman over all of them. Yeah, I, I think so too, right? I was thinking about it earlier today and I'm like, well, Nolan Gorman is doing what we want Brandon Lau to do, right? And, and right. an even better batting average than we've seen Brandon Lau put up in the past. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably time to move him ahead of Lau and, and probably some of those other names as well. Again, starting against the lefty, that's big news there for Nolan Gorman. Not just starting, but hitting that home run off of uh, Julio Arias as well. I think we could say a lot of the same things about Josh Lowe, Scott. And frankly, we might be too low on Josh. He went two for four with a double and his 10th home run on Thursday. He has now let off two straight games. He has started seven of the Rays last eight games. I, I think it was last week I had a, a mini rant about how, look, the Rays just need to play this guy because he has been so awesome. And guess what? They listened. He is now batting 306 with 10 homers, seven steals, and an OPS just over 1,000 as well. Like Nolan Gorman, he's lowered the strikeout rate. You know, lots of similarities here, Scott. It's kind of a post-hype breakout. This was a big prospect last year. We know there was power and speed, a huge hole in the swing. He's kind of uh, you know fixed that so far this year. The average exit velocity, 87.9 miles per hour. Not nearly as impressive as Nolan Gorman, but he taps into his high-end velocity Often, And we see that in the max exit velocity, 113.3. That's in the 90th percentile this season for Josh Lowe. And his barrel rate, 14.6%. That's 86th percentile. He's really fast, 88th percentile sprint speed. So, you know, Scott, we both have Josh Lowe ranked as our, again, we don't talk about this, but 44th ranked outfielder in uh, head-to-head points and roto. And entering Thursday, he was the 16th best player, not just hitter, 16th best player in that format. So I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, I think we probably need to do the same thing with Josh Lowe and, and probably move him up the rankings as well. Yeah, I, I think I think the playing time concerns for him are even more pronounced because it's the Rays yeah. and they just don't seem to give anybody every day at bats. But he's now started seven of the last eight games. So it, it does seem like he's he's his he's raised his own his standing in their own eyes. You mentioned, you know, the hard hit rate and, uh, well, the max exit velocity was 90th percentile, the expected slug. So even though the average exit velocity is kind of low, the expected slug for, for Josh Lowe this year is uh, 92nd percentile, 547. So it's stack has suggests he is legitimately, you know, a, t- a top power bat. Yeah, his current slug is like over 650 now, so like pro- probably can't sustain quite this pace. And and that's worth pointing out too is okay, he's the 16th best outfielder while he's for for as good as the data looks, he's still overperforming it. And there's going to be some amount of regression here and and where does he wind up? Not quite an everyday player. You know, it's going to be lower than 16th, I would imagine. But he does bring an element of speed here and uh you know, I, I think you could easily make the case for him inside the top 40. So to get him there, to get him inside the top 35, let's say, that's going to mean for me valuing him over uh, Hunter Renfro, Stephen Kwan, James Outman, who's kind of slowed down. He had a big homer on Monday. 
or Tuesday or Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) At some point this week, he had a big homer. Yeah. Uh, But he's kind of slowed down. I think that's fair. I mean, obviously, a big position like an outfield, like the outfield, there's a lot of manipulating you can do in a range of 10 to 12 players and wake up the next day and feel completely different about all of them. Yeah. But, yeah, I could probably get James Altman up closer to 30th than 45th, where he is now. That's exactly what I was looking at, too, Scott. I've got... Jared Kelnick at 33 and James Outman at 34. And it kind of feels like Josh Lowe should kind of be right in that range with those other breakout names as well. So I think that would push, uh, that would push Josh Lowe up to around 32nd, 33rd in my rankings. And I, I think that's probably more fair for him. Uh, Kelnick worth mentioning. He's kind of slowed down here in May as well. He's betting 241 with only one home run so far in the month. So uh, both him and Outman, you know, taking a little bit of a step back and Josh, uh, Josh Lowe just kind of keeping it going right now with the Tampa Bay Rays. Want to get back into the Cardinals, Scott, because it was not just uh, Nolan Gorman who had a big game. They are the Cardinals are red hot right now. They are nine and two in their last 11 games. They beat the Dodgers on Thursday, 16 to eight. They hit seven home runs total in that game. Wilson Contreras, the other name here who went two for five, had a double dong himself, added six RBI in the game. He's batting just 256. He's now only up to five home runs. But according to StatCast, he has been pretty unlucky. Batting 256, the XBA is 268. The slug right now is 429. The X slug is 465. A career high 93.1 mile per hour average exit velocity for Wilson Contreras. Career high 51% hard hit rate and uh, a 10.4% barrel rate, which is right in line with his career. And that was before his big game on Thursday. So I think those numbers are only going to go up. And I think much better days are coming here for Wilson Contreras. I don't know that there's anything actionable, Scott, because it's going to be harder to try and buy low or acquire Contreras after this game. But I guess the point is, if you have him, I think much much better days are coming for him. Yeah, I don't know. I... Maybe. I I had trouble seeing him as any kind of disappointment, really. I mean, catcher is is the sort of position where you don't have to be amazing to be really good. And he had been the sixth best catcher in points leagues even prior to this game. Okay. So I I feel like he was just somebody you slotted in your catcher spot and didn't really worry about. And now with this two homer game, Wilson Contreras is on pace for about 20, which, you know, usually he's between 20 and 25. So he seems right on pace again. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I think he's, I think he's totally fine. Everything you drafted him to be. All right. Nolan Arenado went one for four with his ninth home run and has now homered in six of his last seven games. And if you look at the overall numbers, they're basically right back on track. So, just a reminder of how quickly things can flip. Obviously, not every hitter is capable of you know homering uh, that many times in a you know one week span. But you know these are proven commodities, and eventually, I think most of them are going to come around. Uh, anything here with Oscar Mercado's got a blast from the past. You know, on the Guardians a couple of years ago, we thought there was some power and potentially some speed. He went three for four with two steals and three runs scored in this game. Seems like he was only starting because there was a lefty on the mound. I know the Cardinals have had a bunch of injuries to the outfield so far, uh, but Mercado had 15 steals in the minors this year as well. 34 games played down there. Uh, Anything to see here with Oscar Mercado? I don't think so. No. Well, he's just going to play a reserve role mostly, maybe occasionally starting against a lefty, like you say, but I, I I don't see him 
having a shot at making a real impact in fantasy. Well, who did the Cardinals do all this damage off of? We mentioned earlier, Julio Arias started this game. He only lasted three innings. He gave up six runs, four home runs allowed, and really did not have much working. Only three swinging strikes on 68 pitches. The slurve and the cutter were both down 1.3 miles per hour each in this start. Wasn't fooling anybody, and Scott, all of a sudden, 4.39 ERA. The whip is still very good, 1.16, but allowing more home runs this season. Any cause for concern with Julio Arias? Yeah, so we were actually just kind of looking at that together here right before we started recording to see what's going on with him. Because now, you know, he, he'd already had a, had a career-worst home run rate. Now it's 2.3 per nine innings, which is just... Uh, laughably bad. So he's been four homers in three innings, Scott. <laughs> That's going to jump that number up quite a bit. Well, right. It, but it was 1.7 before then 1.7 per nine, which is still terrible. That's true. Um, and like I said, the worst of his career. And interestingly, he had this, his, his previous worst home run rate, home run per nine rate. Arias came last year during the, the dead ball year, whatever we're going to call it in retrospect. So like, it's, it's kind of a continuation of a trend but in terms of exit velocities, pretty normal. Strikeout rate, walk rate, pretty normal. Pitch selection, pretty normal. He is throwing a new cutter this year, but I figured that would only be something that helps. I mean, the cutter has given up. I don't know how many he gave up today, but it, it, in, entering the game, he'd given up one home run on, or, on it with a opponent's batting average of 148. So yeah, I don't think the cutter thrown it less than 10% of the time. It's not a major pitch for him. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think that could be the cause of the issue. Yeah. I don't really know what it is. Maybe the fastball has been, you know, a little less effective, but I mean, it has, he's given up harder contact on it and he's given up worse numbers on it. Uh, the spin rate's down 100 RPM, but the whiff rate is about the same as last year. So, like, I'm I'm just to say, oh, the fastball is the problem. I'm 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 assessing it on the result as opposed to the characteristics, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue to be that way. So, I don't know. I don't see enough wrong here to think that there's that that like Julio Arias is just collapsing and he's. He's gonna he's gonna go the way of Alec Manoa here for you. I, I don't think that's the case, but the home runs are worrisome, and um, you know if it continues, you know if he allows more than one in his next start, then obviously the longer that goes on, the more concern it's gonna raise. Again, that is Julio Arias. Let's take our first break. When we return, I've got a, a bunch of other pitchers I want to ask you, Scott. Starters sit these guys for next week. Talk about what they did on Thursday. We'll do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. It's major time on the golf calendar, and the First Cut podcast has you covered with comprehensive coverage of the PGA Championship from Oak Hill Country Club in New York. Join Kyle Porter, Rick Gaiman, and the gang for daily recaps from Rochester as they follow the sports' top stars on their quest for the Wanamaker Trophy. Download and follow the First Cut podcast wherever you find this one. Let's get into a few pitchers here, Scott, and uh, start or sit these guys for next week. We'll start off with Tyler Wells, who got a bunch of whiffs up against the Angels. Five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts to one walk. He did allow two home runs in this one. Uh, He can be prone to home runs. He gives up a lot of home runs, uh, a lot of fly balls, rather. A A lot of fly balls, yeah. Yeah, a decent amount of barrels, uh, but he does limit walks. So, you know, if those are solo homers, obviously they, they won't hurt you as much. But this is now back-to-back starts with 18-plus swinging strikes. He's up to 78% rostered, and he's at the Yankees next week. What do you think about Tyler Wells? Well, I'd prefer to sit him at the Yankees because he is a fly ball pitcher who throws right-handed at Yankee Stadium. That just seems like, you know, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there. Doesn't mean you have to start him. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to sit him, I should say. Just depends what your options are. But that would be my preference, sitting Wells. Even though the results weren't all good in this start, I thought it was encouraging overall for Wells. As you mentioned, swinging strikes have been way up now, two starts in a row. And if if he adds that to his game, and he's not just a control artist who limits hits on fly balls, I mean, that could really take his game to another level and and, and create another way for him to succeed. And interestingly, Wells got... The swinging strikes were pretty well divided among several pitches last time out. In this start, he got seven whiffs on his fastball alone. So to get swinging strikes on your fastball like that, I mean, that's that's not something every pitcher is capable of doing. I think there are limits. Like, I, I don't I don't really see, like, an ace outcome for Tyler Wells. I think we're talking about him being, you know, if he can continue as a whip specialist who gets strikeouts, it's, it's sort of the same profile of Bailey Ober at that point. And somebody who maybe can be like a reliable number three, number four starter for you in fantasy. That's, that's what I think Tyler Wells is aspiring to. I mean, Tony Gonsolin, that, that would be a great comp for maybe what he could be if things continue down this path. So I'm, I'm encouraged by what Wells is doing. All right. Taj Bradley had a solid return to the Rays rotation He was at the Mets and went five innings, allowed two runs, four strikeouts, had 10 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. 
Uh, the velocity was up a little bit here. The cutter up two miles per hour. The curve up 1.7 miles per hour. And he did lower the cutter usage in this one. It was not particularly good. Only two whiffs and a 14% CSW. But uh, through more curves and change-ups here for Taj Bradley. And through four starts, now has a 3.54 ERA and a .93 whip. Up to 78% roster, much like Tyler Scott, and uh, thrown right back into the fire next week because if he sticks around, it's the Blue Jays and the Dodgers. What do you think about that for Taj Bradley? Yeah, and he's supposed to stick around. Kevin Cash, when when commenting on his promotion, said basically hopefully he gets in a comfort zone and and can become a reliable option for us. So he made it, he gave every indication I'm, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he gave every indication that uh, Bradley is here to stay provided he pitches well enough to stay and it got good results in his return. We weren't sure how it was going to go obviously because in three starts after being sent down, he had a 16 ERA. Uh, he had one more strikeout than home run allowed in those three starts after being sent to triple a. So he was just getting crushed and it, it it's almost like we have to evaluate him all over again. Now that he's back so far, so good. Taj Bradley got good results, but I will point out that part of his issue after being sent down was control. And in this start, even with the good result, Taj Bradley threw only 59.3% of his pitches for strikes that's really bad. When he was up in the majors previously, he threw 65.6% of his pitches for strikes. It was pretty good. So, I don't know. I'm still unsure how this is going to play out for Bradley. and I'm still in the stage where I'm evaluating him all over again. I feel uncomfortable with the idea of recommending him next week. Buddy is in line for two starts. And he's among my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week because of that. All right. Again, tougher matchups there. The Blue Jays and the Dodgers. We'll see what Taj Bradley can put together. Yuri Perez, another young pitcher who picked up his first career win up against the Nationals. Five innings, one run, six strikeouts to just one walk. Did a great job limiting hard contact but only picked up uh, six swinging strikes on 78 pitches in this one, uh, up to 87% rostered for Perez. And also some tough matchups next week in a two-star week at the Rockies and at the Angels. What do you think about that for uh, Yuri Perez? Yeah, I'm probably going to start him. He's been good enough in his first two outings to just, for me, He's he's the sort of pitcher who, when he's making two starts, it's automatic. Yes, the matchups are bad, but I think Yuri Perez is good. I would have liked to see more swinging strikes, as you pointed out. And he didn't have a... How many did he have in his first start? Maybe I'm remembering wrong. I'll pull it up he for you. He had Yuri Perez in his first start. Uh, oh, he had 16 on 88 pitches. No, so he had plenty in his first start. And then not so much here in the second start. But average exit velocity, 83.8 miles per hour. That's certainly good. He was allowing more contact, but it was weak contact on average. And had more than a strikeout per inning. So like, there's just not a lot to complain about here. And obviously the upside is very high. So I think I, I, think I roll with them in a two-star week. If it was just one start at Colorado, probably not. But two starts, one of them being at Colorado, I think you got to do it. 
All right, thumbs up there for Yuri Perez. Nestor Cortez turned in his first quality start in nearly a month. He was at the Blue Jays, six innings, two runs, six strikeouts, with 12 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. Did obviously help that there was no Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the lineup here. Did a great job limiting hard contact, but the ERA remains over 5, 1.28 whip for Nestor Cortez. Scott, do you start at home against the Orioles next week? Yeah, I think I do. He needed a start like this. His last four starts, Nestor Cortez had an ERA of about 850. Uh, interestingly, he threw his fastball a lot more in this start. Normally, he throws it about half the time. He threw it closer to two-thirds of the time. And it got 10 of his 12 whiffs. I mean, it's, he's, he's one of those pitchers who can get whiffs on his fastball, even though he doesn't throw particularly hard. So maybe just kind of simplifying things helped him, helped him return to the level we're used to seeing him perform at. And yeah, even though with, even though he has a tough matchup next week, I think, uh, I think Nestor Cortez is probably, probably somebody you're going to want to start. Jose Barrios turned in a quality start on the other side of that game. Six and two thirds, three runs allowed, eight strikeouts to one walk, had 13 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. Still did allow some hard contact, but uh, clearly a strong performance for him. And over Bar- Barrios' last seven starts, a 3.14 ERA, nearly a strikeout per inning, doing a good job limiting walks, getting ground balls. Scott, I assume we're good starting uh, Barrios at Tampa Bay at Minnesota next week. Yeah, as a two-star pitcher, I think probably you roll with him. Unless you're just being really protective of your ERA in a roto league, certainly in a points league, there's no doubt about it. And I'm still pretty uneasy about Barrios in general because he can... He can tend to... Oh, you know what? His season-long average exit velocity is pretty good, actually. It's gotten a lot better. Wow. This it wasn't is- good in this. Like, I feel like analyzing Jose Barrios start for start, it's like, ah, good results, but 92 <laughs> av- mile per hour average exit velocity. But somehow for the year, he's below 88 miles per hour. I don't know how that happens, but that's that's uh, 71st percentile. So, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right to trust in Jose Barrios again. Barrios has a 6.67 ERA and five starts on the road this season, Scott. Would that uh, maybe deter you from starting him? Two starts next week, both on the road. Nah. I'd be interested in seeing what the breakdown of that is because obviously you're talking about a total of four starts, just if one of them was a crooked number. Yeah, I mean, on opening on his first start of the season at Kansas City, he gave up eight earned runs, so that would (laughs) skew the numbers. It uh, looks like all three, all, all three <laughs> his of his only three, his only three bad starts yeah. were on the road. Yep. But he's also had a great start at Houston and a great start at Pittsburgh. So I think, I, I think it's just happenstance that his road numbers are so bad. All right. Some uh, two waiver wire names that could be available. Logan T. Allen. We talk about him quite a bit. He's still only 61% rostered. He went five and two thirds, one run with five strikeouts at the White Sox, had 12 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. He's got a 3.04 ERA, but a 1.46 WHIP, getting well over a strikeout per inning. The walks are a touch high, and uh, he's got a 3.63 BABIP, so that that's really high for uh, Logan Allen. Gives up some hard contact there. Again, 61% rostered up against the White Sox, and Tyler McGill turned in his second quality start of the season. Up against the Rays, tough matchup, impressive start, six innings, two runs, four strikeouts, and he's at the Cubs next week. Uh, Scott, any interest here in adding Logan T. Allen or Tyler McGill? 
I'd be much more likely to use Allen than McGill, but I'm kind of at a standstill with Allen. I, I'm, I don't entirely trust him. I don't think he's must roster. I was forced to drop him in the the podcast listeners league, which is a twelve team points league where you might you you know where generally you're talking about accumulating as much pitching as you can. I was willing to let Allen go. I think they're, you know, he's such an unconventional pitcher. Left-hander doesn't throw particularly hard, but had great strikeout numbers in the minors. And we've already seen some inconsistency here in the majors. I think it gets the White Sox next week. You could do worse than that, but it wasn't good enough to put him on my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week either. Okay. And the it's two starts in a row against the same team, the same offense. And typically for young pitchers, I'm a little wary of, uh, you know, starting young guys against the same offense two starts in a row. The White Sox typically have been pretty good against lefties this year. They're about middle of the pack. So uh, I like Allen, but I'm with you. I don't think he's a a must roster or a a must start at this point. Want to fire up the worryometer, Scott, on uh, Dylan Cease here. Worryometer Friday. Uh, He did have a quality start, but wasn't very impressive. Six and a third, three runs allowed. Uh, Only one walk. That's good for him, but only three strikeouts. Only seven swinging strikes, which was a season low. And this was against a Guardians lineup that did not have Jose Ramirez in the lineup. Still gave up 10 hard hits, 91.3 average exit velocity. The velocity was down you know, one mile per hour on the fastball, 1.6 on the slider. And all of a sudden, a 478 ERA, a 139 whip. Where are you at on uh, Dylan Cease? The worryometer, 1 to 10. One to ten. Well, I would put it somewhere in between Julio Arias at the low end and Shane Bieber higher. Uh, I guess worryometer for Cease, I'm going to go about six. I was going to say five let's or say, six, yeah. Let's say Arias is a three and Bieber's a seven. I'll put, I'll put Cease at six. And a big part of it for me and maybe this is related to the diminished velocity, is that I, I know I hadn't looked at his overall swinging strike rate, but I saw he had seven on 91 pitches in this star. It's like, oh, that's pretty bad. For the season, entering the stars, I'm not even counting this start. It's gone down from, that, from, from there. 12.2% swinging strike rate. Not terrible, like in a vacuum. But Dylan Cease is normally like 15%. Yep, There's a big difference between 15% and 12%. And because Dylan Cease uh, gives up, well, certainly this year he's been giving up hard contact, but because he has major control issues, major strike-throwing issues that he's always had, if he's not going to be an elite bat misser, I have a hard time seeing how he's good. And so... It could change. I mean, it's still early enough that we 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 don't know how obviously how Dylan Cease's season is going to play out. But I'm starting to get pretty concerned by the lack of whiffs there. Yeah, I mean, look if you think about it, he's nearly four walks per nine. His the hard contact is way up. It's up four miles per hour from last year, eighty six point eight last season, ninety point seven, and that was entering Thursday. And then he allowed even more hard contact in this start, and he's not getting whiffs. So you know, putting the ball in play more, it's hard contact. And there's, you know, f- runners on base because of the walk, too. It's just a lot of things coming together in, in a bad way for uh, Dylan C. So I am pretty worried myself. He's at Cleveland and at the Tigers next week. 
I think you've got to throw them out there against those offenses. But <laughs> it's the two worst offenses in baseball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, they, if they can't start C's then. Look, but if if he comes out of that week with you know two rough starts again, it's all right. We're talking about you know lowering this guy in the rankings. He's maybe not a must start pitcher. I don't think we're yeah. dropping him, but. This is pretty concerning here for uh, for Dylan Cease. A few waiver wire hitters, Scott. Only two names that stood out here from uh, Thursday. Austin Hayes went three for four with a double and two runs scored while leading off for the Orioles and quietly hitting 312 this season with an 859 OPS, five homers, one steal. The batted ball data is great for Austin Hayes. He's 88th percentile average exit velocity, 89th percentile in barrel rate, 73rd percentile in max exit velocity. He's 68% rostered. Do you think that number should be higher for uh, Austin Hayes? Maybe. I don't think he's a big like points league play. Normally, you're talking three outfielder leagues and points league. He's not a good plate discipline guy. So that that eliminates you know 40% of leagues right there. Maybe not quite that many, but a lot of leagues. It eliminates a big percentage of leagues right off the bat. Uh, so I don't know that he needs to be rostered in that many more, maybe, maybe 70, 75%. I do think he is trending toward a career season here. He's not helped by playing half his games at Camden Yards as a right-handed hitter with power mostly to his pull side. I know his expected home run number is better than his actual home run number, as you'd expect. And so that, uh, that that kind of takes some of the wind out of the sails there, but but yeah, I mean, I th- I think Hayes will be a solid like number four outfielder in maybe number five between number four and five outfielder in roto leagues. Okay, uh, comparing him to some of the most added outfielders, Scott Christopher Morel. I think we'd both rather have Morel, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely more upside for Morel. It's I, I think speaking to the average listener, that there might be some like deeply context where I'd say, oh, you can't drop Hayes for morale, but like morale, you, sh- you should have somebody else you can drop for morale in that context. How about Hayes versus Jake Fraley? I know uh, you're a Fraley guy. Yeah, I think I'd go Fraley just for the same thing, just pursuing upside. Alex Kirilov? I know you're a Kirilov guy. <laughs> these I, these are all your yeah. guys. <laughs> Hayes is way more startable than Kirilov right now. So if it's a situation of I have to start whichever I have, then I I might go Hayes that way. But if it's just for a bench play, I think Yerloff has more upside. And a little sneak peek at your sleeper hitters, Scott, but Austin Hayes or Jorge Soler? Soler, regardless of whether or not we're talking about the upcoming week. Yeah, so we were breaking down Soler yesterday, and uh, Chris Towers said... Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek of Scott's sleeper hitters. Obviously, they weren't out yet. We didn't know what they were. He's like, Jorge Soler is going to be the number one sleeper hitter for next week. You know, seven, it. seven games going into Coors Field, too. I mean, it's it, do, it really does not get much better than that. The other name oh, I had... it ha- gets better. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> there, there's reasons to like him even more than that. Very nice. Some news and notes. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was held out of the lineup for two straight because of right knee discomfort, but he did appear as a pinch hitter on Thursday. Tommy Edmond was removed with lower abdomen soreness. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol confirmed that Matthew Liberatore will remain in the rotation. He's up to 41% rostered. And Scott, do you have any thoughts on uh, what Liberatore did on Wednesday? I I thought it was encouraging. 
there seemed to be a, a little some some of the reactions seemed like oh he's figured it out he's amazing now I I thought I don't know maybe I've just spent too much time on Twitter with baseball nerds stay off Twitter I, I thought some of the reactions <laughs> were a little overblown uh, but it was encouraging I I think uh, if nothing else he earned a right to continue to take a turn for the Cardinals and to maybe even be picked up in a few leagues I'd probably value him about on the same level as Logan Allen right now. Some questions remain, but I see the upside as well. I'm curious, though, who gets bumped from the rotation? Because are they just going to go six-man for a while? That's what it seems like. I I think that Steven Matz probably should get the boot, but it doesn't appear that's that will happen as of now. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dustin May was officially placed on the IL with a with a right flexor pronator strain, and Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said that Gavin Stone makes the most sense to replace May in the starting rotation. Stone had 10 strikeouts in his most recent start in the minors. He's 32% rostered. Scott, would you rather add Gavin Stone or Matthew Liberator? Liberator. Stone is, if, if, if the Dodgers don't rearrange their rotation, he would line up for two starts returning, but I can't. I guess as much as we've as as much as we've kind of uh, the way Brandon fought has become sort of a punchline since he got called up, and I know his last start was better, and hopefully he continues to trend the right direction. But he came with a lot of hype and was just giving up a ton of home runs, getting shelled his first two or three outings there, and kind of became a punchline. Uh, I was far more discouraged by what I saw from Stone when he debuted on that same day Fought did because his changeup was supposed to be like a wipeout pitch, something major leaguers like would have a hard time hitting. And, and that wasn't what we saw at all. He got one whiff on it and he threw it a ton. So maybe he threw it too much. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it was, it is encouraging that he went back to the minors and, and, had some success and hopefully you know it's it's debuts are weird obviously there's a lot of there are a lot of nerves i'm sure and and just you have to learn some pitchers have to learn to approach to attack hitters in a different way than they were in the minors because it's a much higher level of competition obviously so i'm not i'm not trying to pronounce stone's career dead here on the spot but like he showed me nothing to get excited about in his debut. So he's I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with him now that he's returning. All right. Liam Hendricks will throw live batting practice Friday, and if it goes well, is expected to be activated shortly thereafter. Stalling Marte was out of the lineup Thursday due to soreness in his hand. He was hit by a pitch on Wednesday. And while on the Mets, one day after hitting a game-tying home run, Mark Vientos was not in the lineup as we suspected on yesterday's podcast. Seth Lugo was placed on the IL with a left calf strain. Ryan Weathers was recalled from AAA. Jose Trevino was placed on the IL with a hamstring strain. Uh, Kyle Higashioka should start most games in his absence. Gary Sanchez will have his contract selected and promoted by the Mets on Friday. And I can't wait until he's taking playing time away from Francisco Alvarez, Scott. <laughs> yep, I tweeted out. All the faults of Francisco Alvarez with none of the upside. And that's what the Mets are getting here. 
with Gary Sanchez. And I'm very disappointed in it. Like, it's been all bad news since I moved Francisco Alvarez into my top 12 catchers. It's been all bad news for him because we got Omar Narvaez coming back soon. I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to shake out for him and for the Mets catcher situation. But I'd, I'd rather not see Gary Sanchez get mixed up in it. You and me both, Scotty. The Angels will decide if Jared Walsh will be activated after Friday's game at AAA, and he's 22% roster, did have 29 home runs back in 2021. Scott, any deep league interest in Jared Walsh? I mean, it depends how deep you're talking. 15-team <laughs> Roto Leagues or deeper? I, I couldn't fit him on my 15-team rosters, no. Mm. Scotty. He's got those stacked rosters in the 15 team. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, it was funny to be in the bottom half of the standings and feel like you can you have nobody you can drop. Yeah. That's a weird uh weird situation to find yourself in. Some underperformance for sure. Orioles prospect Colton Kowser is dealing with left quad tightness and he was scratched from the lineup on Wednesday. Some people thought he was getting called up, but it turned out just to be an injury. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll get into the Week 9 preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Big thanks to those watching us live here. It's past 1 a.m. on the East Coast and 519 people here, so we do appreciate you. Hit that like button uh, and subscribe if you haven't already. The Week 9 preview, Scott, let's start with the schedule for next week. 14 teams have 7 games. 16 teams have 6 games, so that means... Zero teams have to play five games next week. The Rockies. What's going on with the Rockies next week? They got seven home games, four against the Marlins and three against the Mets. First time all year, the Rockies have had a full week wow. at Coors Field. Very exciting. And yet, I couldn't get them among my five best hitter matchups because the pitchers they're facing are so tough. That doesn't mean don't start your Rockies. Yeah. But uh, it is... It is kind of a conflict there between the pitchers and the locale. That's pretty crazy, man. It's late May, and this is the first week coming up that they're going to have an entire homestand. That's well, they, kind of crazy. They, hadn't, they haven't had a week yet where they're on the road the whole time either. It was, it was always split, home and away. That is weird. Huh. Yeah. Anywho, uh, starters sit these fringe two-star pitchers. Kodai Senga is at the Cubs and at the Rockies. Coming off that 13 strikeout effort, I think you pretty much have to start him. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Mackenzie Gore is going up against the Padres and the Royals. Yeah, he's a pretty good source of strikeouts. I wish he wouldn't walk so many guys, but 
two-star week against two bottom six offenses. Don't think the Padres are going to stay there, but they are there right now. Yeah, go for it. Graham Ashcraft. Hope you listen to Scott and you sold high while you could. He is going up against the Cardinals and at the Cubs. Uh, no, I'm pretty scared of him right now. Bottom seven offenses, by the way, Royals and Padres. And Royals have been better. Probably no Manny Machado in that Padres lineup either. True. Yeah. Brandon yeah. Williamson, the same matchups there, Scott. Uh, home against the Reds and at the home against the Cardinals, rather, and at the Cubs. Encouraging debut, but I need to see a lot more from Williamson. So it's a no from me. And I assume it's going to be a no for Gavin Stone. If he's up, he's at the Braves and at the Rays. Yikes. Correct. All right. Two-star pitchers to add and stream for next week. Scott, you've got two, four, six, seven names on the list. Who are they? Okay. Yeah, a lot of good two-star options. Well, goods maybe stretching it a little bit, but obviously getting an extra start helps if you're talking about adding a pitcher off the waiver wire. My favorite for this week, barely makes the cut here as a sleeper pitcher, is Bailey Ober. Matchups are nothing special, Giants and Blue Jays, but he just had a good start against the Dodgers, so let's let's roll with it. I think Ober's a good pitcher. Dane Dunning at Pittsburgh. Offense that's cooled off a lot at Baltimore. Uh, pretty good offense, but a favorable venue, and Dunning continues to sport an ERA south of two. So I'll run him out there for the two starts. A little scarier here with Taj Bradley, especially since he's going against the Blue Jays and the Dodgers, but he technically hasn't had a bad major league start yet. So let's go with it. Michael Lorenzen on a nice run. I don't think any of us really believe in it, but he's at KC and home against the White Sox this week to offenses that rank in the bottom half of the league and run scored. So I think he's a fine choice for this week. Kyle Bradish, opposite end of the spectrum here with these matchups at the Yankees against the Rangers. So it really comes down to whether you're obviously Bradish is coming off two good starts. Are you willing to roll the dice for that extra start? Or would you rather play it safe with a one start guy? I can't answer that question for you, but I do have Bradish as my eighth best sleeper pitcher for this week. Mike Clevenger, much better matchups at Cleveland, at Detroit. Those are the two lowest scoring offenses in baseball so far, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Clevenger is not that good, but <laughs> he may be good enough to take advantage of those matchups. This is the real scary one. This will really test how you feel about matchups and two start weeks because Brady Singer... One of the hardest hit pitchers in baseball this year. But the results have been a little better lately. And he goes against the Tigers, worst offense in baseball. The Nationals, fifth worst offense in baseball. I don't think I'd do it, but <laughs> if, you're, if you're searching the waiver wire for streaming pitchers, streamable pitchers, then I guess he's an option to consider. I feel like you could have just copy and pasted your analysis for Mike Clevenger and use that for Brady Singer because they're both pretty unimpressive pitchers, but the matchups are great for both of them. Single star streamers for next week, Scott, who do you have? I have Josiah Gray at Kansas City. Home runs haven't been his issue this year, but I, I kind of feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop as far as those go. But at Kansas City, it shouldn't be that big of an issue. It's a park that suppresses power pretty well. 
Uh, I'm going to say Jack Flaherty at Cleveland for now. Now he is making a start over the weekend, and depending on how that goes, may change my mind. But if he picks up where he left off in his previous start, then I like him for that matchup against the Guardians. Reed Detmers against the Marlins. Obviously, that's a bad offense. So you could consider him. All right, let's slide over to the hitters and the best matchups for next week. The Mariners, Marlins, Cardinals, White Sox, and Red Sox. The worst hitter matchups, Twins, Pirates, A's, Giants, and the Blue Jays. With that said, Scott, your sleeper hitters for week nine. Well, you already mentioned, you already spoiled, I should say, that Jorge Soler is my My number, number one sleeper hitter for this week, just as he was last week. You mentioned also that the Marlins have the second-best matchups, that they have a series, a four-game series, at Coors Field. All reasons to like Jorge Soler. Four of the pitchers on the schedule for the Marlins throw left-handed. Jorge Soler against left-handers this year, 367 with six home runs, a 1520 OPS. He has crushed them. So that's all the more reason to like Jorge Soler. I don't care what format you're in. You want him active for this week. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt over the weekend. Uh, Lars Nupar still qualifies for this, amazingly. I don't know why he's not rostered everywhere yet, but the Cardinals, you mentioned, have the third best matchup. Only one lefty on the schedule. I think he's a must. Uh, A couple Cubs here who have just been hitting well of late and happen to be rostered in less than 80% of leagues, say a Suzuki and, of course, Christopher Morrell, who we've talked about a lot, but is still available enough to mention here. Their matchups are okay. So I think you, the fact they're hot counts for a lot here. Uh, Jaron Duran, you mentioned the Red Sox have the fifth best matchups. I think he's a pretty easy call, given that context. Jake Berger, who is up to double-digit home runs, amazingly, and seems like he's got the DH job on lockdown even now that Yohan Mokata is back for the White Sox. White Sox have the fourth best matchup, seven games going against the Guardians and Tigers rotations. And, uh, you know, they're missing they're missing Bieber and Bybee from the car. Oh, it's fun to say their names together, Bieber and Bybee. Just sounds like you're battling, talking baby talk. I don't know. <laughs> but they, that, those, they're getting all the bad parts of the Guardians rotation. So it's, you know, really good matchups. Berger, hopefully he can continue to eat. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I mentioned the Rockies have a full week of home games. Brenton Doyle's been hot. I think you can take advantage of that with him. And also, Elias Diaz, if you need a catcher, no Rocky hitter has better numbers at home this year than Elias Diaz. He's batting 373 with a 964 OPS there. So good time to use him. Nick Senzel. The Reds are scheduled to face five lefties this week in their seven games. Five lefties. And Nick Senzel against lefties this season. 467 is what he's batting. So, good time to use him. Scott, I have to commend you for your uh, very subtle dad joke in there about Jake Berger. I don't even know if you realized that you said it. No, I did. That was intentional. <laughs> I was like, that, Unintended. That's pretty good. Hopefully Jake Berger continues to eat. Let's get it done. Uh, all right, so great job there. A quick question on Shohei Otani. Uh, I think I want to do this weekly and 
I guess just try and let everyone know which way we're leaning. Do you use him as a hitter or a pitcher? Next week, it looks like he has one start up against the Marlins. Uh, and he also has six home games against the Red Sox and Marlins as a hitter. So which way would you lean, Scott? It might depend on what you need for your team. But if you just had to say in general, Otani as a hitter or pitcher next week? I would say lean hitter. I would, but you know, there's, we're at a point now with him where you could go either way any week, I think. I think yep. if he's in line for two starts, that's the only time I'm for sure going to say pitcher. Generally, I'd lean hitter, but as you say, depends on needs. All right. Uh, I did want to ask you about a few Marlins hitters that produced on uh, Thursday here. And obviously, they have great matchups for next week. These are more deep league plays, but any interest? In any of them. Uh, Gene Segura is down to 16% rostered. He has been dreadful this year. I dropped him in my NFBC main event league. And of course, that means he's having his best week yet. It's got seven hits, two RBI, and a stolen base for uh, Gene Segura. Brian De La Cruz hit his fourth home run on Thursday. He's hitting the ball hard, but just not enough fly ball. So that's why we haven't really seen the power from Brian De La Cruz. And Xavier Edwards is an interesting name. He started in center field. On Thursday, seems like he might be filling in for Jazz Chisholm here. He went two for three with a double, a run, RBI, and his first career steal. He was a former top prospect in the Rays organization, came over to the Marlins, has no power, but a great batting average in the minors and uh, a good amount of speed. Any interest in deeper leagues, Scott Segura, DLC, I guess BDLC, and uh, Xavier Edwards. Yeah, I, I think Edwards, if you're talking an NL-only Roto League, which I know you play in, Frank. Yeah. That might be where you look toward him. Uh, I, I do want to say with Brian De La Cruz here, so I, I mentioned Jorge Soler's numbers against left-handers, and the Marlins are facing four, and they have the four-game series at Colorado. Brian De La Cruz entered today batting 345 against left-handers, 10 for 29, so we're not talking a huge sample, but good numbers against left-handers. And obviously, he benefits from the the series at Coors Field, too. So, I talked about only nine hitters just now. For that 10th spot, would you go with Brian De La Cruz or would you go with Lane Thomas? The Nationals have good hitter matchups as well. Not as good as the Marlins, but good. And Thomas is at a great month of May. Yes. Who would be your choice there between those two? I think I, you do my job for me. <laughs> I think I would go with Brian De La Cruz. It's four games in Coors Field, those lefties on the schedule. It, I It does not get better than that, honestly. All right. I think I might change it, yeah. Cool. It's, it's a pretty good week for, you know, last week I was wringing my hands over the, the sleeper hitters, <laughs> as I often do. But this is a good week for them. I, I could go deeper than 10 for sure. All right, let's wrap up with some bullpen updates, and uh, we'll start with the Angels. Carlos Estevez entered the ninth with a one-run lead. He gave up two hits and a walk, but did escape with his 10th save. For the Mets, David Robertson allowed a hit, but picked up his eighth save. For the Marlins, Dylan Floro walked one, picked up his fourth save. That was his third in the past four games. He's 36% rostered. If you do need saves out there, again, Dylan Floro. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A converted his league-leading 15th save. Nobody else in baseball has more than 11. And for the Yankees, basically everybody was unavailable, except for Ron Marinaccio, who picked up his first save of the season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Friday. And trying to figure out who I said yesterday, I think Reed Detmer is up against the Twins. James Paxson at the Padres. And... 
I think that was it. Those were the two that I liked. Anything else here for you, Scott? I think... Let me see if I like anyone else. Eh, not really. I mean, if you re- if you were just really having to stretch, I'll say Matthew Boyd at Washington is my third choice, but I, it's it's a stretch. I thought for sure Cal Quantrill, Scott. You're two for two the past two weeks recommending him as well, a starter. Yeah, that's true. Let's go Quantrill instead. Yeah. Boyd would be the fourth choice. On Saturday, I think it's... Uh, even though it's a tougher matchup, Louis Varland, we continue to talk about him. You should just pick yeah. him up anyway, but if you're just looking to stream him, I think he's widely available still. And then scrolling up, there are some interesting names here. Brandon Fought looked much better in his last start. At the Pirates, their offense has slowed down a lot. I think that's okay. Yeah, that would probably be my second choice, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Alex Fiedo very quietly had... 13 swinging strikes in his last start. He's at the Nationals. That's more of a deep league play, but I, I actually started him in a 15-team league this week, so that's uh, that's the only reason why I know about that. On Sunday, oh, these names leave a lot to be desired, Scott, but uh, I think Alex Wood at home against the Marlins is fine. I don't think he's gone five innings in a start yet this year. Obviously, he's spent some time on the IL, but yeah, enough that I... I don't trust the Giants to give him much run. Michael, but there's nobody better here. Michael Walker's pitching well, but oh, the Red yeah, Sox. The Red Sox. Uh, yeah. Revenge game. I think though. I'd go with them over Wood. Revenge game. It is a revenge game. I think <laughs> I'd go with them over Wood. Yeah, but it's it's not something. Again, it's 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 really rare that I get excited about a pitcher in this segment. So <laughs> these are all just kind of. You're forcing me to pick somebody, and so that's who I'm going to pick. I am here to tell you that I am excited about Waka and Wood on Sunday. Let's wrap up with some email questions here, Scott. This one's from Kyle from Northwest Arkansas. Yes, we play fantasy baseball here. This is a trade that I am proposing in a head-to-head categories league. I give Marcus Semien and Elias Diaz. I get Jose Altuve and JT Real Muto. I think if you could pull it off, yeah. Semyon has been amazing. I don't want to undersell. Like he's no, he's been he's, he's been he's one of the best yeah. players in fantasy this year. There's well, he's he's exceeded expectations, and and that was even though we were drafting him as well. Once Altuve went down, we were drafting Simeon as the top second baseman, right? And he's exceeded those expectations. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Altuve was the one second baseman we were drafting ahead of Simeon before he got hurt, and he's about to come back. And Real Muto's the top catcher, so. I think you have to do it. I'm trying to think of who Northwest Arkansas's team would be. So that that's the that's the Royals double A affiliate. Now Northwest Arkansas would be I guess the Royals would be the closest team geographically to them too. So probably a bunch of Royals fans there, right? This will surprise nobody, but <laughs> geography, not really my thing, Scott. <laughs> I can't really can't really tell you much about uh, you know, Arkansas or what teams are kind of surrounding that area. So Again, won't surprise anybody. This one's from Brian. Grade the trade. 10-team categories league. Just traded away Nick Castellanos and Eduardo Rodriguez. Received Michael Harris and Lance Lynn. Gotta be Royals fans. (laughs) Yeah, that's the closest team geographically. Okay. So back to the email. Uh, Just traded away Castellanos and Rodriguez. Received Michael Harris. Lance Lynn. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Michael Harris has got to get going soon. 
I know he had two when the Braves played uh, on Wednesday. He had two batted balls with an expected batting average of over 500, but he took an over for on the day. So there are some encouraging signs there. Obviously, it's a smaller sample than anyone else because he missed so much time with injury. But I would still consider him the most valuable player in this deal, even though he's done nothing this year. And in a shallow league like a 10-teamer, pretty much always going to side with the deal that gets the best player. I doubt that anybody in our live stream right now is from Arkansas, but if you are, let us know in the comments. Are you a, uh, what team do you root for out there in Arkansas? This one's from- Specifically Northwest Arkansas. True. Uh, From CJ. Need help on a Kokomo Friday? Head-to-head six-by-six categories league. Drop one for Nico Horner's return. Ezekiel Duran, Matt Mervis, or Brandon Lau? Drop one. Okay, I would drop... I mean, I want to see what's going to happen with Duran here because he uh, Seager's first game back, Seager DH'd, and so Duran got to play shortstop still. And that's that's not going to be a long-term answer. Will Duran move to left field on an everyday basis? I think he's earned it. Matt Mervis uh, is off to a pretty bad start. He's batting 220 with one homer and a 37% strikeout rate. Yeah, but I, I think he's the one I'd most likely hold on to of the three. I'm leaning toward dropping Duran... Yeah. Either way. I think so, too. It, he's played very well, but of those three names, I, I think he's the one. From Zach, having a hard time figuring out who to drop in my 14-team 6 by 6 categories league. I have Altuve and Stanton about to come off the IL and need to drop two between them, Outman, Newpar, and Jaron Duran. I feel like no matter uh, who I'm dropping, uh, what, no matter what, I'm dropping quality players, but who do you feel has the highest upside rest of season? Your format helps Newt Bar. Not that I'd want to drop Newt Bar anyway. So we can't drop Altuve or Stanton, I don't think. So it comes down to Altman and Duran. Here's the thing. I just noticed this today when uh, I saw that Adam Duvall was hoping to come back when first eligible June 8th or something like that. So it's getting close. What happens when he comes back? Because the Red Sox outfield is currently uh, Yoshida, obviously not coming out, Duran in center, and Alex Verdugo. And Justin Turner is hitting well as their DH. I'll tell you what happened, Scott. Tristan Casas optioned. Justin Turner. He's been hitting well in May. Justin Turner plays first base. Um, He's been, yeah. Casas has been better in May. I mean, that's a possibility, but I. I want to lean that way right now. Jaron Duran played a lot of second base early in his minor league career. I wonder if they would entertain that possibility. But hmm. I think, though I imagine he's going to keep playing for the Red Sox in some capacity. I don't know how they'll figure it out, but they'll, they'll figure it out as long as he doesn't slump here. Even so, I think Duran's the one I'd drop here. Hmm. I think he has the lowest upside. As much as I I have been the Duran guy, I have him ranked the lowest of all those players. So I think that's probably it. Uh, he actually needs to drop two of these names. Oh Let, darn it! In a, okay, well, in a fourteen team league, these these players should not be wow, free yeah. agents, man. Like mm, I think you really trade, dude. You, you should try and make a trade because yeah, these these players should not be free agents. There has Parrot? to be somebody out there who's willing to trade for one or two of these names. I mean, if you like, what would you, what could you get if you package Stanton, Outman, and Duran? 
Like outfield is a position of need for a lot of people. Something pretty good, I would imagine. I don't know if that'd leave you two then in the outfield to do that, but yeah, you could get an ace or something, probably, in a 14-team league. Even if you just do Outman and Duran and you kind of consolidate that way for one player, yeah, I think that's a pretty good package, so I would try and do that. But if you have to drop one, I I guess it would be Duran. This last one's from Steven Deer, Manny, Moe, and Jack. Do you know who those are? I had to look it up. I, Ah. I had no idea that is what their names were. Yeah. Those are the, the pet boys. Those are the pet boys, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, add drop questions for two leagues, both head to head categories. Drop Alex Cobb for Tanner Bybee. That is close. Oof. I don't know why I was upset that you didn't know the pet boys. Like, why do, <laughs> why do I care? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. <laughs> uh, I think this is okay. a lot easier for you. You have Tanner Bybee at SP 51 and Cobb at 70. Yeah, I don't have much faith in Cobb. That that's easy. Drop Cobb for Bybee. I have Cobb ranked two spots ahead of Bybee, but drop I, Gray for Flaherty or Fott. I think I would. I think I would drop Cobb for Bybee. So I have to make that change in the ranks. Drop just. Why don't you drop for, Gray for Bybee and then you keep Cobb? Are these different leagues? Yeah, it says for two leagues. So yeah, I think it's different. Oh, leagues. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'd drop Cobb for Bybee, and I would drop Josiah Gray for. Flaherty? I mean, as long as you're not counting on Gray for next week at Kansas City, I think, like, if you wait for, uh, ideally, you could wait for Flaherty to start this weekend and see if if he has a strong follow-up, but if he does, then you may have lost your chance to get Flaherty. Yeah. Somebody else will swoop in and take him. So, I think I'd I'd go ahead and drop Josiah Gray for Flaherty. Flaherty's upside is probably higher just because of the, the team context. No, it definitely is. Yeah, I would make yeah. the swap, but, you know, Gray has pitched pretty well this year. Uh, but, yeah, I would do that as well. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.